Dale Bruner is one of my favorite biblical scholars. He's one of those people who can, who can sit and study for hours on end and then distill whatever it is he is learning into language that other people can understand. Dale tells a story about being visited by one of his friends from college while he was in seminary at Princeton. This friend was amazed by how much time Dale spent in the library, by how much time Dale spent reading books, and how little time he spent taking action or preaching or introducing people to Jesus. And one night the friend came to him and said, just 200 yards away, men and women are going straight to hell, and you're sitting here studying all night. A little aggressive if you ask me, and, and definitely pretty exaggerated, but, but Dale, he got the point. We all have different gifts, but we are all called to be doers of God's word, not just hearers of it, not just studiers of it. So during this series, we've been talking about acting on Jesus' commandment to love God and love our neighbor. And my hope is that we wouldn't just talk about it, that it'd be something that's, that goes beyond Sunday morning, that we would actually take steps in our neighborhoods to share God's love. Our second passage this morning comes right before Jesus gives his definition of neighbor in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it takes place right after he, he tells a man that if he really wants to follow him, he has to be willing to take some pretty big steps to make some pretty big personal sacrifices. Starting at Luke chapter 10, verse 1, we read this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and sitting in ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you and you, Capernaum. Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. 
Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my best friends is named John Doe Chase Chen. John Doe and I met at Forest Home when we were in, in fourth grade. And, and years later, we interned together at, at the same church with, with a youth group over a few different summers. He's one of the smartest people I know, but he also has this, this, this crazy relational capacity. And here's what I mean by that. During those summers, we would meet for breakfast at some point between 9 or, or 10 in the morning at our favorite spot, a place called Harry's. He would have already met with two or three people by the time I got there and have scheduled two or three more meetings after we finished. We joked that he could just sit there in that booth at Harry's all day long, sharing meals with people, listening to their stories, investing in them, connecting over coffee. But it's not like John Doe didn't have his limits. The reality is we all have a limited capacity for relationships. We can only let so many people in and only give so much. Jesus, he gives us the perfect example of this. He had the 12 disciples with whom he was super intentional. And then within that 12, he had this intimate group of three, Peter, James, and John, who he seemed to connect with in a different way, on a different level. The reality is he spent most of his time with just a few people. So something tells me as we think about loving our neighbors it's okay for us to not know everything there is to know about each one of them. It's impossible. But we don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy to be everybody's best friend. But we do need to have our own set of three and our own set of twelve. So what's the, the best way to spend our time? How should we engage our neighbors knowing that, that our relational capacity is limited. This passage out of, out of Luke gives us an idea. Jesus, he sends out the 72 into the, the different communities, into the different neighborhoods. His end goal is to have them be the ones who are teaching, them be the ones who are praying, and them be the ones who are serving in those communities. And he knew that, that Peter, James, and John couldn't do it all alone, and he knew that the 12 disciples had their limitations as well. So he calls on this bigger group, the 72. And we can love our neighbors today, acting on what we claim to believe with the time and energy that we have by following the same instructions that Jesus gives to the 72. A few weeks ago, we looked at Paul's approach to finding common ground in Athens. He turned to a faith community. He spoke in a language that made sense, he affirmed them, and then he confronted them. When Jesus sends out the 72, he invites them to do something pretty similar. First, he calls them to, to focus their prayer. Sometimes I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the task of neighboring. I'm an introvert. I, I look around my neighborhood and I think, how am I supposed to love all of these people? 
And, and then I start to think about Westlake Village. And then Thousand Oaks. And, and then the entire Conejo Valley. And it's, it's just overwhelming. The reality is, I can't, we can't, but we aren't asked to go alone. We need our neighbors and we need our other churches and other organizations. When Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he said, he said this, he said, don't, don't be like the hypocrites who love to stand in front of other people on the, on the corners. Don't, don't pile it on like the pagans. And then he continues the prayer. We know our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. The entire prayer is communal in nature. Did did you catch that? How I said our and us? The only time that Jesus uses a singular pronoun is when he's talking to God and saying your kingdom. Your will. Everything else is communal. In the same way, when Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest, it's this second person plural verb, praying for our neighbors, asking for God to provide workers for the harvest. It's something we're called to do together in community. So when I read, ask the Lord of the harvest, I I picture a group of people coming together to make a a plea to God on behalf of the entire community, on behalf of the entire city, and on on behalf of the entire neighborhoods. Together we're saying, God, we know we can't do this alone. We know that we need you, and we know that we need one another. So this week, during our our Lenten challenge, I'm going to ask us to do something together. Let's commit, all of us, to spending just five minutes a day Praying two specific prayers. First, asking God to provide workers for the harvest. Other people to love our neighbors. And secondly, asking God to open doors for us to meet our neighbors. Praying for for opportunity to act on God's word. So after instructing the the 72 to come together in prayer, Jesus, he he paints a picture of, of what they're stepping into. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, comforting. Don't take a purse or bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. Lambs among wolves, keep your head down. Don't say hi to anyone on the road. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. This work, it's difficult, it's even dangerous. But we see later that it also comes with great joy. So so Jesus, he gives the 72 some instructions. Don't take anything. And be prepared for rejection. It's going to happen. Again, comforting. But, But fortunately, not every person is going to turn them down, he says. And once they find a person of peace in a house, Jesus invites his followers to stay in that place. Once a person of of peace is found in a house, Jesus tells his followers, be there. In other words, invest your time and your energy in the people and in the neighborhoods that are going to accept you 
and the places where you can make a difference. He's not giving an excuse to exclude people, but he's acknowledging a person's limited relational capacity. We can't know everyone. It's an invitation to dig deep with a few people. Building significant relationships instead of moving from house to house or neighborhood to neighborhood or place to place. Building shallow relationships where where nobody knows you and you don't really know anyone well. Then we get to the, the teaching and the serving. Heal the sick. Tell the people that the kingdom of God is at hand. Again, we, we see something that is done together. Just like with prayer. This isn't an instruction for one person. It's, it's something that is to be done in community with one another. So in this case, Jesus is talking about physical healing. It's, it's loving our neighbors by serving them, by bringing them peace, by helping them to find wholeness. It's why we take part in things like the crop walk, which is happening right after church today. It's why we've been packing lunches for Harbor House from our homes the last week of every month this year. And it's why we partner with organizations like the Westminster Free Clinic. It's about bringing wholeness to people. And along with bringing healing, Jesus calls us to remind folks that the kingdom of God is at hand to teach. It's what we talked about last week with Jesus' call to be salt and light, to pair our words with our actions. At some point or another, a neighbor might notice that you're collecting food for a food drive, or maybe that you're going out of your way to be kind in one way or another. And at that point, it will be easy to kind of downplay why you're doing it. Because the moment we say something like, well, Jesus said, we know we're taking a risk. And there's a really good chance the neighbor will completely shut down. No one wants to be that neighbor. I totally get it. I've lived next door to one of our neighbors for for more than a year, I was next door neighbors to this guy for more than a year before I actually told him I was a pastor. I get it. But at some point, a part of giving glimpses of God's kingdom to our neighbors is talking about why we do what we do with them. Now, it's not standing on a soapbox. It's not pointing fingers. It's just saying, this is what I believe. And this is why I live the way that I do. The, the 72, they taught And they served, and Jesus also told them to spend time together praying for workers for the harvest. And after they go out, after they do what Jesus says, they return full of joy because of what God was doing through them together, collectively. Now my hope for us as a church is that every time we would gather for worship on Sunday, whether it's online like this or in person, that Sunday mornings would be a chance to come together with joy, celebrating what God is doing in our midst, in our neighborhoods, just like the 72 do when they return. Let's pray. God, we long to be a community that loves you and loves our neighbors well. We know we have a limited capacity and that we need one another as we seek to teach pray and serve in the Conejo Valley and beyond. God, we ask that you provide workers for the harvest in our neighborhoods 
and that you'd help us to see the opportunities we have to act on your word each and every day. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.